0: Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. I want to share with you that I have changed things a bit so that now my introduction for those that are new is on a separate video. So you'll have an introduction video. This introduction video is a 36-minute video. So this video is not going to have any introduction. It's going to go straight to the message. For those that have come to know the one true God, for whom to know is life eternal. Yahweh, the Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, who is God, manifest in the flesh. The full one true expression of the one true eternal God. The only one true expression of the one true eternal God to us here in this world to communicate with us on a more limited personal creature level. And so I wanna share with you that I received these passages as mentioned in the introductory video by the casting of Lot. But before we go in to what God has been saying this week and today is Saturday, June the 30th of 2023, I wanna share with you Also, the song I chose by the casting of Lot. And I was glad to see that today I got another new song that I didn't know existed that is really great that you can put up on YouTube. Or if you have an overhead projector, you can use it with the words because that's the ones I always choose, ones that you can use. If you can connect to the internet, you can play the YouTube video. And your congregation can worship with this beautiful song. And I'm very fussy that the songs I choose are high quality with depth and meaning in the words. And I'm really appalled at so many charismatic and Pentecostal churches nowadays that have songs that have such shallow meaning in the words, that have even often monotonous tunes, and they often sing the same songs over and over and over. There's no variety. There's no creativity. Hardly any. Not that there isn't some modern songs that are really great songs. Of course there is. But many of them there isn't. And they, you know, they just repeat these things over and over again. And there's just been such a lack of creativity in the body of Christ because the body hasn't been alive and functioning in the gifts of the Spirit. So I might want to share a little bit more on that. But for the moment, I want to get into the worship song first. And so we're going to go with that worship song first, and I will have to uh, find this and go to the right video here and minimize things here, and we'll start like this first with this beautiful worship song, and I'll minimize myself while we play this worship song. So I do have a playlist on my site at loverealize.com, which I've also put up on ultimatemeaning.com, which you can look at. And um, so you take a look at that and you will find that there is now well over 144 songs there that you can play. If you're starting up a congregation, you don't need to have special players up there with those songs. You can just put them on and play you're in some part of the world where you don't have skilled musicians or whatever and you know whether you have musicians you can have the musicians play along too but uh you know i was mentioning about creativity that it is lacking in the body of christ now this has nothing to do with the message that i'm about to preach but it was put on my heart earlier I believed by the Spirit of God when I was in prayer, and so I do want to emphasize it because the last message I spoke was on God bringing a new order into the body of Christ, and how urgent it is that that new order begins to happen, where we do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting the body in these last days, and for some pastors and shepherds to think that you can just have church the way you've always had church and have your comfortable niche in an hour of such urgency where it's so obvious to I'm sure the majority now of the corruption that is in high places of government governments around the world that is in the institutions, educational, medical, so on I can't go into that here for time, so I won't touch on the details of that because I'm putting this up on YouTube, but I may in the future start putting up my messages on rumble.com if I feel I need to talk about things that are more specific, but I don't think there's a need of that because my focus is on the good news of God's love. And that we can enter into ultimate meaning and purpose and destiny that is only found in the reason for which we were created, which was to give pleasure to God and to find our ultimate, everlasting, ever-enlarging pleasure in God and in all that he's created for us to enjoy out of a pure, right relationship with him. And it will ever enlarge and be so unique to our own, Creativity that he created us with. Look at the genes, how complex they are with information. that can go with a stack of books to the moon and back. I believe it is 50 times, they said. On a video I saw recently. Information that creates your body totally unique. That could never happen by the fairy tale pseudoscience of evolution. Which has finally had its last nail put into it especially by the discovery of the James Webb telescope that has totally blown away the Big Bang theory, that has totally now been blown away by the genetics that shows time going back only as far as 6,000 years and it's being verified by provable things. And what they're discovering in archaeology that lines up with the genetics that goes back consistently without variation to very ancient times. Well, that's not what the topic is about today. I am here to share with you the good news of God's love. But I was talking about creativity. And here's the thing that I was pondering. This new order that God wants to bring in the body of Christ in the last days to fulfill John 17 to allow that total oneness to take place in local assemblies around the world. There are certain things that God is wanting to restore. One of them is the genuine fear of God, which is greatly lacking in most assemblies. We're not in awe of God, like we should be, of whose presence we're in. We don't start our meetings in awe. We don't start our meetings as a prayer meeting where we just get on our faces and become in awe of whose presence we're in and humble ourselves before his holy presence in great reverence and awe and humility and be still and know that he is God. It doesn't mean that we don't quietly pray out. But there's a time when we then move and allow, and then one person prays out here and we stand with them as the Spirit leads them to pray and another prays and we try to be sensitive to only pray out as the Spirit leads us to pray out. And we begin to prevail in prayer as a body. And we become more conscious of him in the assembly than of our program and of our meeting and of anything that's happening at the front. And then we start to go into worship and to sing. One sings out a song here that the spirit rises in them and they don't know what they're going to say in the words. But they have a seed thought and they know the spirit wants them to sing it out. And they sing it out and it's a beautiful love song unto God. Another rises forth and he gives a word of exhortation, another gives a word of wisdom, another gives a word of encouragement, another gives a prophetic word to the body of Christ or a word of knowledge. And the gifts of the spirit begin to function in the body and it awakens. But we're so used to being in a passive state and having short meetings that are only an hour and a half when you could start a meeting at around two in the afternoon and go for four hours really have an encounter with a living God as a body of believers. and That's what God is calling the church to do in these last days is to wake up and become who he's called you to be and to not limit him in your local assemblies nor in your life individually. And the reason we do is because the loves of the world have desensitized us, have made us as a word drunk so that we do not see these things that are so important that God is wanting in these last days to be part of the norm of meeting with him in assembly. That is what was happening in the early church. They were moving in the gifts of the spirit. That's obvious from the word of God. How come it's not happening today in any measure? Or you got to go up to the front and ask permission to use the mic. Well, that's unfortunate. If you do, well, at least that's start somewhere but I would say that's unfortunate we need to trust God that if there's a bit of a mess it's okay because we want him to have his way through each member in the body and here's a suggestion if since people are so passive why don't you just point out a section in the congregation and say I want you people unless you really don't want to do it because you don't want to force people to do something obviously But for all of those that are in this section here, I want you to sing out a love song unto God. Just sing out a love song, anything. You don't know what words. Just start singing a love song. And we're all going to stand with you. If it doesn't sound so great, that's okay. Next person, sing your love song unto God. Sing a love song unto God. We're going to stand with you. Next person, sing your love song unto God. We need to waken people out of their passivity to get them into this creativity because it's so lacking, it's so obvious because the songs that are being sung are for the most part so monotonous and so shallow with the meaning of the words. It is time for the spirit of prophecy to rise in the body of Christ. And we get the body functioning. If they're so used to being passive, have some little meetings after or some other time in the week where each one can give a five-minute message or a song or whatever they feel in their heart to give them that five minutes. They get them out of their passivity so that when the meetings come together, we are there ready to just let the Spirit move through us out of love, not out of wanting to be known or anything else. Just out of a pure heart of love to... Edify the body. We need to learn to literally wash one another's feet and tell each other how much we appreciate each other. We need to learn to share one another's faults that that we may be healed. It is when there is this knitting together in the body of Christ that there will come a fullness into his body that will fulfill the verse that says that ye may with all saints be uh, be. Be filled with all the full, may may with all saints comprehend the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. When we walk in the fullness of God, it comes out of a true heart that is pure with God and with each other. Then the captives will be set free that have been tormented by demons. I showed the videos in one of my previous messages of the underground church in China where they have meetings that go for 12 hours without stop and 122 degree temperature in this one meeting. And they think a four-hour meeting is short. They're in a love relationship with God. They're in a first love. Okay. I want to share what God gave me today, as well as highlight some of the things he gave me this week. Today is Saturday, June the 30th, as I mentioned. So we're going to go to those passages of Scripture now that I received and share from them what God is saying to the churches in this hour. Now, on Monday, and I'm not going to go into this one, I'm just going to touch on the ones I received. The message was that God is bringing a transition of leadership in the body of Christ the two chapters I received were a transition of two leaders one was from Moses to Joshua and the other was of one that went in the other direction to greater apostasy that was second Kings 24 I did want further insight and I got Ezra 10 But basically, I've written down your notes, and I don't know how accurate they are since I do a lot of this with a microphone. I'm saying that it's possible that it's about to happen in the body of Christ at this time, that key leaders and positions of churches across the world will have transition. And Ezra 10, the people repented with removing their heathen idolaters' wives, The Lord is saying, what kind of transition will your nation experience? A transition to tyranny and apostasy or a transition unto far greater righteousness and inheritance with great blessing. The other passage, I believe, was about Manasseh, if I remember right, and how he was converted. That might have been later on. 2 Kings 24, it says here, there is the transition of leadership into judgment because of rebellion and sin against the Lord. And I believe it was Manasseh. And then he repented and came back to the Lord and greatly humbled himself before God. But then his son was even more apostate than him, even though he repented. And in Ezra, of course, when I got greater insight, it was evident to me that God is calling the nation To bring forth the fruits of repentance and to cut off the compromise, in this case, the marriage of idolaters' wives, they were to divorce them because they refused to submit themselves to the one true God, like Ruth did. And she was a Moabite, and Moabites were not allowed to be in the house of the Lord to the third generation, I believe, and they were not to ever be sought to prosper or bless, it says. And yet Ruth, that curse was broken off her because she had such a deep conversion and commitment to God and said, thy God shall be my God, that the curse did not apply. If you want to see the curses, generational curses broken off your life and the curses of judgment off your nation, there has to be a deep, a deep repentance that bears the fruit like it did in Ezra 10. where you actually cut off the sources of compromise. Then on Tuesday, I received Psalms 120 in Haggai 1, and I asked for greater insight and received Leviticus 16. And so first I read the conclusion of what God was saying. The theme in all of these chapters is related to the dwelling place of God in his temple among his people. Basically, the emphasis is on the requirement of holiness to bring forth the temple of the Lord and also the requirement of sacrifice. The fact that we are more focused with our energy and time in our lives, in our own dwelling places and pleasures is reproved and it is pointed out that it is not to be rationalized away by saying we will do this at a later time. Now is the time for the body of Christ to wake up and repent across this nation and never go back to being the church the way you were, but to come into this new order that will facilitate the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. And so we read in Psalm 120 some amazing things there. King David is lamenting that he dwells in Meshech, which means having a mechanical advantage of prosperity. That's what that word Meshech basically means. It therefore speaks of us seeking our own advantages to prosper over seeking first the kingdom of God in order to establish his temple of holiness. He lamented that he was dwelling among the tents of Kedar, which are the tents of darkness. The word Kedar means darkness. He sees and cries for the need of his soul to be delivered from the defilement by the deception of his tongue. And he's repenting over his tongue and saying that his tongue needs to have burning coals put on it because it's been so deceptive and destructive. And of course, the word of God says in James, whoever is able to control the tongue is able to control their whole body and therefore is living a holy life. And God is calling us that in our heart, there is wholeness so that we're not anxious for anything. We're not in a rush over this or that temple thing in our lives. We are aware that God's in control even when everything goes wrong. We do not panic. We learn to trust him. what did I find in Leviticus 16? The two sons of Aaron offered strange fire to God because they did not know the ways of God, which are the ways of holiness out of the genuine fear of God, which is so greatly lacking in the body of Christ. When we don't have the genuine fear of God, we have to always have something going on. Oh, we gotta have revival. Let's pump it up. We gotta do something. We gotta have revival. I am telling you, brothers and sisters, if we do not have the genuine fear of God, all of our sweat and our striving and our thronging around Christ is not going to be heeded by God. But if we have the genuine fear of God, remember, those that study the brain, psychologists or whatever else you want to call them. discovered that the whole one half of the brain was created to comprehend awe we need to return to having such an awe of god in our midst that he is dwelling in our midst that he will not tolerate sin that he is a consuming fire of love out of hate for what is contrary to love and he wants his love to dwell in us richly and we need to know this love of god that is so pure, that is so holy, that will not tolerate corruption in our own lives. God does not want us to throng his presence with our own hyping things up or strivings. When we are in the genuine fear of God, there is a heart that brings us to stillness to know that he is God. This is represented in the fact that after the two sons of Aaron were smitten dead by God for offering strange fire before God that he did not tell them to offer, which indicates an irreverence towards God and a presumption out of pride towards God. After that time, God commanded them immediately after this happened that the priests were to wear linen garments of... I believe it is garments of linen or what would be like silk if linen is different than silk, I don't know. Representing that there would be no sweat or strivings and thronging in the holy presence of God. We need to return to that balance between liberty and awe. You see, when you have the real awe of God, the real genuine fear of God, it brings you to a place of honesty, humility before God. And the place of humility brings you to the place of honesty and transparency, where you repent of anything that's not of God. And even the place of honesty and transparency brings you to the place of humility and back and forth. And we come into a place... Not being presumptuous to utter anything before God, as it says in Ecclesiastes. Be not presumptuous or hasty to say anything for God before God, for God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Doesn't mean there isn't a place for abundance of speech, and prophetic utterance, and praise. But we are sensitive to God's ways when he's leading into the place of Intimacy and humility, when he's leading us into the place of rising up in his spirit in great love and liberty and joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise. I don't need to read the scriptures about this for a time, but that's what's in Leviticus. And that's what God was speaking, and I will emphasize Haggai, because what it says in Haggai verse 2 here of chapter 1 is, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, The people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye that dwell in your sealed houses? And, in this, ho- and this house to lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith Yahweh of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. God is calling us to walk in his ways, not ours. And what a privilege to do it. What a privilege to walk in the light of his shining countenance of love, to know a relationship with him that triumphs over every circumstance that is not conditional upon our circumstances. There's nothing more free. There's nothing more liberating than dying to self. Yes, it can be hard to die to self. It can be painful. I've many times been, I'm single all my life and I wanted to be married and and I fell deeply in love with a good number of women in my life and they rejected me and it hurt me deeply because I love them out of the pure heart. It still happens doesn't mean that maybe God might provide me a a wife even though I'm way up there in years, 73. But I'm very young in body because I know a lot about health. But you know, what matters is that I'm married to him. With many loves that he breaks from us, he gives us greater love to take its place. And maybe in the end, just like Abraham, was broken of Isaac and having to offer him up. Was trying in his brokenness through Ishmael to have a son. And then the Lord appears to him and says, you're going to have Isaac. He finally had his son. Do you think he wasn't broken over thinking God had, Not hurt him. Here he is. He's a hundred years old. How can he have a son? All the patriarchs suffered. Joseph. Rejected by his own brothers and sisters. and They tried to kill him and sold him as a slave. And it says concerning Joseph. Until his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. And there his brothers and sons are before him. And they don't know that this is their brother, and you know the story. He forgives them and embraces them after dealing with them to bring them to a place of breaking and true conversion from their ways into God's. Until the spirit of pride is broken in people, there's not a depth, deep a depth of conversion. Genuine conversion breaks the spirit of corrupt pride and brings us to a place where we're like little children before it. I want to go on. And I'm going to skip Wednesday for time. I know those two passages really lined up and are very similar, but I don't have time for it. And probably not for Thursday either because, well, I could do a little bit on Thursday. I suppose. Oh, this was the one about Manasseh being in affliction. And it was about the fact that knowing God involves humility. And that was related to abiding in God in John 15. So that's what I received there. I don't have any notes on it. So I'll just skip over to today. Today I received Genesis 16 and Amos 5. And sometimes when these two passages I get, I don't see. In the natural, there's no commonality, and yet God gave them to me, I know. And so as I continue to meditate, I then do see it. There are many times when it's very obvious that God's given a a common theme between the two chapters. This wasn't one that was like that. But boy, did I ever see a lot in it when I put those two chapters together. And so I say this, when we do not see the promises of God fulfilled like Abraham didn't with Isaac, and he's already a hundred, and that seems to have been not fulfilled, we can be tempted to seek an alternative to fulfill them through our own efforts that can lead to idolatry as it did on Mount Sinai with the children of Israel. They didn't know what became of Moses. He's up there for 40 days. And they're thinking, well, man, you know, there's all this fire on top of the mountain and this flames. And, and here it's 40 days and he hasn't come down. Did he die up there? I mean, who knows what kind of unbelief was in them. They shouldn't have had that unbelief. They saw God part the Red Sea and here he is in blazing fire on the top of the mountain. By the way, they found that mountain and it is all blackened at the top. It's in Arabia, like it says in the New Testament. This isn't the place to go into that. And so Genesis 16 is about Abraham trying to fulfill God's promise through Hagar and getting Ishmael, who was then God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, the next chapter after that, when he's wondering, you know, here Ishmael is, he's 13 years old, and God comes on the scene and he says, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you, and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among every child man child in your generations he that is born in the house or, brought with, or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant and of course that was an outward symbol of a far greater inner reality of the circumcision of the heart, which is represented this way. You have the spirit, which is the capacity within our being to worship, and you have the soul, which is our consciousness. Yes, it includes mind, emotion, and will. I know that. But the original meaning of the word soul is more about consciousness, but it includes that. And so in our lost state, our soul is like a seed that is enclosed. And our spirit is worshipping our own consciousness. It is in a state of pride. And the only thing that can break that shell is the circumstances of the soil, is the light of the sun weakening it, which is the truth of God's word, seen through creation and the logos, his written word, if you have it. And is the melting presence of the Spirit of God represented in the rain, which also represents the Word of God with its presence? And so there comes a point through circumstances in many people's lives where they're at the end of their rope, and then that shell breaks, and they cry out and they say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm in my wits, and God save me! Have mercy on me, that I've been such an evil person! Have mercy! I cry out to you, and he comes in and he hears their cry. And there's a true circumcision; the pride has been broken. There's been genuine rebirth. Not an Ishmael conversion, a real conversion, a circumcision of the heart. There are many that think, oh. Just say the sinner's prayer, and you'll be saved. Well, you can say it with your intellect, with a motive, to just want to be part of a group that's all lovey-dovey and will make you feel happy and good. But you've never been convicted of your sin. You've never seen the awesomeness of God and your need for his mercy. You see, genuine belief in Yeshua is to believe in who Yeshua actually is in his holiness, which is the integrity of his love, out of which springs forth the mercy of his love. And if you have not seen the integrity of God's love, that it is severe on sin, you will never know the mercy of his love or be born again because you're not believing in the true God. The true God perceives these two aspects of the love of God. But a perception that does not have that is an idolatrous perception, a a, a monotheistic idolatrous perception of God, the one true God, that we can save ourselves that we are righteous apart from God? How dare we in our pride think such a thing before God? God is calling for the circumcision of the heart. And there's too many people that have had an Ishmael conversion and they haven't had a genuine conversion. And so I pray for those that they would come to that place where they would know this relationship with God and truly, truly turn from their heart and pray from their heart. It may be a, doesn't have to be emotional prayer necessarily. It can be a sincere prayer, but if it's genuine from the heart, there's real conviction, there's real repentance, there's a turning in the heart. Out of the genuine fear of God. Which is rightly reciprocating God first. In the integrity of his love. Which is his holiness. Out of which then only you can reciprocate God. In the mercy of his love. Which is the other aspect of his love. Which comes forth also as grace. And in this passage of scripture. Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin and yes we go through ishmael experiences in our lives that give us a whole lot of trouble because we tried in our own strength to fulfill the dreams that we believe were of god in our lives and we get broken we come to a place of break we come to a place of relinquishment and the saying i give up like abraham did and then god comes on the scene and he tells him to circumcise Ishmael. And in that same chapter, he tells Abraham he's going to have a son who's Isaac and that Isaac is the one that will receive and fulfill the promises that God gave to Abraham. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. And how does that relate to Amon? I think I, oops. Well, I've already pointed it out. In Amos, we see that Israel goes into idolatry, truly, just like the Israelites did with the calf on Mount Sinai, because they didn't know God. Because they didn't come to a place of knowing God, which means to come to this place of genuine rebirth where there's true humility. They were just used to the rituals. You can be a Pentecostal and speak in counterfeit tongues if you've never been born again of the Spirit. And it can be just sounding like gibberish and not a real language. But it's not speak in tongues unless we know the Spirit is giving utterance through that doesn't mean that we shouldn't initiate our own spirit to speak in tongues so that the spirit can engage, by the way. But when the spirit engages, it comes forth as at least I found in my experience. Who am I to judge others? Maybe sometimes it it doesn't sound like a beautiful sounding language. Who am I to say that? But this is what God is saying to the church. That he's wanting a genuine circumcision. That he's wanting a bride that is pure. And so I have certain passages here in Amos. And I don't know, maybe in the end I'll read a bit of it. It's kind of sad. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live, but seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord. So these people were seeking something that was their own ways. Somehow they were in their own ways, and so they found their own ways in Bethel. And they found their own ways in Gilgal. And interesting, Bethel means the house of God. So you can even have what is called the house of God and be filled with your own ways. But God's calling for not the house that is the counterfeit house of God, but the genuine house of God. And I've forgotten what the word Gilgal means. I can look it up quickly in this dictionary of proper names. But I believe the word Gilgal which I'm looking up right now, means um, rolling a wheel. So they're going around with their own routines and ritualisms over and over, thinking, oh, if we do this over and over and over, then God will be with us because we fulfilled our routine. Rolling, 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 doing the same thing over, the same boring songs, the same this and that, no creativity, just ritualism. Seek the Lord and ye shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who turn judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion. And isn't it interesting? And I don't know if I told you this, but it's in the other introductory video. That this fellow, which I will just bring up this video to get the name of it, because I can't get the name, so this may look a bit strange for a moment. Don't worry about it. I'm just getting the name. This gentleman that believed in the Big Bang theory, top guy for all of that, now knows from the discovery of the James Webb telescope, that's a hundred times more powerful than Hubble, that the Big Bang theory's wrong. And he even says in here that there's no time, he doesn't understand it, but we know from the afterlife. Time does not exist, oh wow. The Big Bang Theory is all wrong. All 16 points in it have been destroyed by the discovery that the James Webb Telescope has discovered a million miles in outer space. Oh yes. I don't know if that's all I was going to mention about this fellow. There was something, oh yeah, it was about this one, which is just two weeks ago. Just CERN, it just shut down and something terrifying is happening. That's the one on CERN. But there's another one where he's terrified because something else is happening. The large star, Orion, suddenly is not getting brighter and brighter and he's worried there's going to be a nova explosion all these things are happening this week the star is suddenly going down and they're worried because that's so close to us that it would totally devastate this area well we know that when the Lord returns the sun's going to become black as sackcloth and the moon is blood and if that thing goes off that would happen wouldn't it and so that's why I wanted to show you that and turneth the shadow of death into mourning and maketh the day dark with night, and calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name, that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong, so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuketh at the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. For as much, therefore, as your treading, treading is upon the poor, and ye take from him burdens of wheat. And ye have built houses of hewn stone, but ye shall not dwell in them. Ye have planted pleasant vineyards, but ye shall not drink the wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, they afflict the just and they take a bribe and they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Therefore the prudent shall keep silence in that time, for it is an evil time. So that's all I'm going to say about all of this. And God bless you for listening to this message. May you be blessed for that. Thank you. And pray for me. And you can support me by purchasing my book on the afterlife or Evolution, Delusion, Solution or the book God, Headship and Body Invasion which is about the new mortar that God wants to bring into the church. That's God, Headship and Body Invasion on Amazon. Thank you. God bless you all.